Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In today's uh, message, I'm going to dive into Galatians chapter 2, about three verses there. We'll uh, look at a little bit later, but Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 uh, through 13. And in this series that I've started, this is about the fifth message, I believe, in this series called testify. What we just did a few minutes ago, we testified. The Greek word martus, uh, that word is where we get our word, uh, our um, word, English word martyr from, uh, that, you know, we don't love our lives so much that we aren't willing to lay it down. We sang that song, little song earlier, I surrender all. Like surrendering is, uh, is a way of laying my life down. It's a way of saying, God, I'm laying my life down so that I can pick up your uh, life and so that you can transform me. In this series, we talked about our working definition for testimony is the story of how God stepped in and changed me. There's transformation. Like the story of how God stepped in and changed me and he changed me through his son, Jesus Christ. So there should be a visible notice of change in my life after I come to Christ. Something that's transformational. Today we're going to talk about that. Have you, uh, like here's a couple of questions I want to ask you. Have you ever seen anybody that you looked at their life and you're like, I want to be like them. I want to be like them. It, it may not even be something that's spiritual. It might be, I see how much money they have, how successful in business they are. I want to be successful like that. But there's something that you saw in them. Uh, you see how they treat. Like, I'll look, there, there are people that I'll just kind of highlight in the room. I, I look at, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but I think I can do this because of my relationship with you. But I look at Jim and I, I, I look at how he loves his wife publicly. Now, I don't know how he loves his wife when they're by themselves and at home and nobody else is around. I hope it's the same. But publicly, he really loves his wife and he honors his wife well. And when I look at him, I'm like, man, I want to be like Jim as far as loving my wife when I grow up. You know, I want to emulate him because I see something in him that I like. There was another guy in our church. Uh, Shay will remember this guy. Uh, but he was, he was an older guy named Lloyd Holcomb. And he was a leader in our church. I believe he was an elder in our church. And I remember one day he was giving a testimony about giving, and, uh, meaning in a financial way. And he said, we've really been struggling and he said, the enemy started speaking to me. And, uh, and I'm like, hmm, I'm really struggling. I'm a 16-year-old kid. And I'm paying my own car note at my little job that I make 60 bucks a week at. And I'm trying to, you know, date this girl and take her out and spend, really, my whole paycheck on one dinner for her. And she only takes a bite out of it, you know. <laughs> I'm like, 
that really happened. I'm like, I'm having a hard time too, Brother Holcomb. He's giving a testimony, and I'm a little 16-year-old kid going, A to the men. And my, my, my mom and daddy's telling me, boy, you better pay your tithes. You know, if you don't, God will get you. He won't get you if you don't pay your tithes. But there's a blessing in there. And I'm like, but I, I'm, I'm trying to do what my mama says. I'm trying to impress my girl. I'm trying to pay for my car. It's tight. And Brother Lloyd Holcomb is standing there and he said, you know, I'm having a tough time right now financially. And the enemy said, well, why don't you just stop paying your tithes? He said, then you'll have plenty to make up. And he said, but I told the devil, if you don't shut up and leave me alone, I'll give 20% of my income. And it made such an impression on me, his stance, it was words, but I saw it, and I knew it, that I'm like, I want to be like him in my faith when it comes to giving. That even in my lowest valley financially, I'm going to bring something to the Lord. It might be two little mites like that woman did or whatever, but I'm going to bring something. I will not offer something to the Lord that did not cost me something, that it wasn't a sacrifice for me. And sometimes giving, if I'll be honest with you, sometimes giving's not a sacrifice for me. I have money. I have it in the bank, blah, 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 blah. And then as Shay and I, we've had two uh, weeks here in the last month or so that it's like, man, I had to replace my air conditioning unit in, the, in, in my house. And then I had to replace the plumbing in my house. In one month, Shay and I had expenses that exceeded, unexpected expenses that exceeded $14,000. And guess where my tithe is? Where it ought to be, at the feet of Jesus at the feet of Jesus. Now, there's a whole lot more that I could say to that. But do you see, my firm foundation in that is based upon what I saw in believers many, many years ago. The evidence that I saw in them, the transformation in them brought about transformation in me. All right? And then, let's take it from a negative side. All right, so I gave you some positive and I'll give you a negative. I remember one time, I don't know how it came up, but we were in a conversation and my uncle was trying to get one of my brothers to come to church. We had just started to church. I was a young kid and uh, just started going to the church that Shay grew up in. And my uncle that went to that church was trying to get another older brother and he just wasn't having it man he's like yeah I ain't doing it I ain't doing it I ain't doing it I don't need it I don't need it and this is what he said as my uncle walked away he said if that's what y'all call a Christian I'm already one he's like if that's what y'all call being a Christian I don't want anything to do with it all right, are you seeing this? Like there is something visible that he saw that repelled him, pushed him away. And so a lot of times when we're talking about like outward appearance and how, how our image uh, affects other people and our actions affect other people, we really live in a world with this mindset. That's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. God is my judge, not people. You can't judge me. 
How many of y'all have seen that? Ain't no man my judge. And what we'll do is we'll take a, a, a scripture like 1 Samuel 16 and 7 because you can, the devil took scripture and tried to use it to, to you know, sway the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the enemy uses scripture. You can use scripture for anything that you want to. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, this is when Samuel the prophet is coming to, uh, to anoint the new king of Israel. And so he comes to Jesse's house because that's where the Lord told him to come. And so as he's looking for them, all, you know the story. If you don't, all the, all the sons come before him. And he's like, well, surely this one's it. Surely Eliab is it. Surely this one is. Look at how muscular this one is. Look at how attractive this one is. And the Lord, every time the Lord said, nope, 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 next, next, next. Not, not any of those. And he's like, well, do you have any other sons? And he's like, well, I got little David. He's back there. You know, he's kind of ruddy. You know, he's kind of. He's the run of the family, and he's out, he stinks, he's not presentable for the prophet. You know, he's out on the backside of, you know, the mountain, herding sheep. He's like, can you go get him? And as soon as, as soon as uh, David came, the Lord said, this is the next king of Israel. I can only imagine the conversation that he must have had based upon the conversations I have with God in my head. Like, are you sure? This one, Lord? Like, these guys are warriors. This one? Are you sure? Uh, God, like, these, these are the kind that we want to fight Philistines over here. This one? He's, he's creative. He's a songwriter. Like, let me see your hands, man. You don't have any callus on your hands. Like, not this one. That's the one the Lord says. And this scripture says, the Lord, the Lord says, to Samuel, the Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them, Samuel. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And many times people will take, take this verse of scripture that says, you can't judge me because God don't look at the outside. God, peop, you know, people look at the outside. I ain't worried about what people think. God looks at my heart while that is true. A holistic reading of scripture when you don't just pick out little verses. If you'll read Matthew chapter 7, the scripture says, listen, don't judge other people unless you're willing to be judged by the same standard that you. It, it doesn't say don't judge other people. No, my friend, we're supposed to judge other people. The scripture says, know those who labor among you. How do you know them? You get to know them. You see the fruit they bear. And then you get to know them privately so that their public image also matches their private. The scripture says you'll know them by the fruit they bear. Fruits, visible things. So a holistic reading of scripture. In Matthew chapter 7 that I just quoted you, it says don't judge other people unless you're willing to be judged. It's not saying don't judge. It's saying don't judge unless you are willing to uh, live by that same standard. And really what it's talking about, it's talking about don't be overly critical of people. Like don't let a spirit of overly criticism get a hold of you and, and you start ignoring the very things in your life. It's, it's really saying be more concerned about your life than you are everybody else's life, okay? And so this scripture, what I really want to highlight to you is the part that says, but people judge by the outward appearance. See, we take it a lot of times and we'll use it to say, you can't judge me. 
But really, people do judge you. Every day, people judge you by your outward appearance. They don't know who you are. They don't know who I am. They only know what they see. They only know what they hear. They only know what they can take in in their senses. And then for those of you who are um, filled with the Spirit and you have the gifts of the Spirit, we have an extra tool within us that is the discerning Spirit of God that will help us that, you know, I might see some fruit that's there, but man, there's something inside of me that is not sitting well. And, and don't ignore that. Don't ignore. I've ignored it so many times. Don't ignore when you feel an uneasiness. Explore it. You could be wrong. Test the spirit. Test the spirit of God to see is that, is that a discerning that God has about this certain person or this certain situation? But people judge by the outward appearance. People are looking at you and me. And in the context of this message where we're talking about sharing the gospel, man, the, the greatest gospel that you will ever be is your image, is what people see first is what people encounter first. They're not going to be open to hearing you say anything until they've you know, gotten used to you and they've seen some evidence out of you. But I can tell you this, if they see something contrary to a message you're trying to preach, it's going to repel them very easy. Here's what I want you to understand. One of our core beliefs at Destiny... Now, Everybody in this room, this night might not be one of your core beliefs. But it is a core belief of this house. And if you are a part of this house, this is always going to be one of our core values. And you will find yourselves at odds with the house constantly. And the house is in alignment with the word. So we didn't just arbitrarily choose this as, as one of our core values. All of our core values come from the word. But can I tell you that your witness matters. Your martus matters. That Greek word that means witness. Your witness matters. What you project to the outside world, it matters. It matters how you talk outside. It matters how you talk in certain circles. It matters how you talk behind scenes. It matters what you do when you're not around here. As a matter of fact, we talked with all of our volunteers. We, we weren't necessarily trying to make that match what's happening in the room today. But we talked about honoring God and honoring others. And we talked about like, hey man, we should do that outside the church and inside the church. We shouldn't just do that at church. We should be the same outside the church as we are inside the church. We should be the same person. We should talk the same way. We should do the same things. Well, you know, we might have to cater it, uh, you know, to... to to certain um, activities. You know, I'm not going to walk into a restaurant and start prophesying to everybody in the restaurant, but I will prophesy in a restaurant. It'll look different in a restaurant than it looks different in, in this room, if you know what I mean. But I prophesy in restaurants. I prophesied the other night to some Baptist folks. And, uh, you know, I went to this uh, youth retreat. And, man, I was trying to be so good. I was trying to be good. And um, because, I, you know, I'm not... I'm not Baptist. I don't even know what I am. Like, I'm just a Christ follower, and I'm going to try to follow him 
to the fullest extent, a full gospel approach to the fullest extent of this. There's parts of scripture that I'm not comfortable with, but it doesn't mean that just because I'm not comfortable with it that, I can't, that I'm, I'm uh, exempt from practicing it. Does that make sense? And denominationally, there are some. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. Okay, I'm trying to be good. And, um, and so this uh, group from Mobile University, that's a, that's a uh, Baptist university. And so it's a Baptist camp and a Baptist school is there um, doing the camp for their uh, students, K, uh, or uh, not K through 12, but uh, grade 7 through 12. All right? And so right before it's all getting started, they had a testimony there's so many cool things that are, were going on there because they called on a testimony for this young man who had been called into ministry and he comes up and he really doesn't give a testimony. You know, he didn't know how to give a testimony. And I'm like, bro, this was your shot. The, the man of God called you up and was proud of you and God calling you into the ministry and you had graduated from that school. You're now at the university and he gave you a platform to give a testimony real quick of, of what God had done in your life and how he called you into ministry and he didn't do any of that. He just said one little quote from somebody else and, uh, and, and so I don't want to get... As he's walking back, uh, he comes to, him, to his seat and as he's coming to his seat, he, it's really kind of funny. He was proud of himself, you know. He was proud of himself. And the pastor said, that's all you got, you know. And so he's walking back to his, his seat, and, and he's kind of joking. And he said, no, I got a lot more. He, he's like, you know, what? later we're going to be speaking in tongues. He said, I'm going to give you some tongues and stuff. All right. Now this, and I know that he doesn't really believe that that's a valid gift and I'm like if you only knew son <laughs> and then the 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 ensemble and the music team they begin to get up and minister and I'm telling you what uh they they don't know they don't know what they've got such a good talented young group of kids it's powerful I don't know why I'm doing this I'm just taking some time I'm just over here on the side of the sermon and I'm just sharing this because I feel like God's going to do something with it. And I'm sitting there at the back of the church, all right, uh, this little chapel. And that team begins to worship. And it's so powerful, they don't know how powerful it is. I'm, I mean, man, I'm Holy Ghost baptized. I'm fire sanctified. I'm apostolically empowered. You might not know what the anointing is, but I do, and it's on y'all. And I'm 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 at the back trying to be good. And I'm I'm like the Holy Ghost comes on me and I can't stop crying. And I'm like, oh God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't have no tissues, Lord. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just going to have to get up in a minute. I'm going to have to stop. Holy Ghost, stop. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, Lord, they ain't going to ever ask me back. I'm trying to be good, Lord. And, um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to match. Now, I'm not saying any of this is right. 
I'm trying to match their body language. But my body language is wanting to do this. My body language is wanting to do this. My, my body language is wanting to do, is, is wanting to do this. Because more of you means less of me. Take everything. That's what I'm doing, man. That's what I'm wanting to do. And I'm, I'm trying. And, and like they're all there. Some of y'all need to take some notes in this. I'm not joking. I'm not being funny. And they're there singing. And more of you means less of me. Take everything. Da, 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 da. They, don't they sound so good? They're awesome. Yeah, we're really proud of them. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, y'all are missing the anointing in the room. Tune in, folks. That's what I'm wanting to say to them. I'm like, y'all tune in. You're missing the anointing in the room. And it's like, oh my God, I don't want this to be wasted. Like these kids, young adults, they are on stage and they are bringing it. And I'm telling you every song. They actually sang two songs that I've, I, I've asked them. I want, I, I want y'all to send me that set list because I want to sing them here. And so as we're, as we're just, Lord is just moving in such a powerful way in that time, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all of this and I'm going, wow, wow. Do they even know what they possess? Do they even know what they're carrying? It was a beautiful and a powerful time of worship after it was all over, um, I, I preached a message to the young people. There was a, a great response to that. And that team was there. And here's the thing that really, really impressed me. They weren't there. And I've seen this. Shay's seen it. I've seen it. We've seen it in young people. We've seen it in adult teams that it's there. They're, they're up there to be like, come on, more of you. Let's be together thing. And it's over. Hey man, let's go to the green room. We're, peace out. We enjoyed being with y'all. While the message is going, oh, we don't have time for that. We ain't got time for that. I'm telling you, Jack, that's a public witness. I'm telling you, you ain't got time to worship. You can't worship. I don't care how good you play the keys, the guitar, or how well you sing. I don't care if you sing for uh, any president. I don't care if you're saying for any blah, blah, blah. I'm like, can you worship? Can you worship when you ain't leading worship? You know, th those are the kind of things. Do you even know what's happening in the room outside of what happened in y'all's 40 minutes? I'm telling you what, man, the, those young people were at the back of the room and they were just like enthralled in the message. And afterwards, I prayed for the students and everything, which I was there for those high school students. And afterwards, when they left, one by one, it, we didn't plan it, didn't, one by one, those students from the University of Mobile came up. And they said, you know what? The Holy Spirit was speaking to me in the message about this. And they were, what they were doing, they were receiving some freedom. And then, then it, there, there was another one, and then there was another one. And all of a sudden, what happened, this is how I got here. I, I'm like, I'm going to figure out why I'm here in a second. This is how I got here, because I prophesied in a Baptist camp that I'm not even sure they believe in some of that stuff, those gifts being in operation today. And all of a sudden, 
See, they come. They, they, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel, which part of it was my story mixed with his story. They saw the transformation. And so now they're seeing this and sensing and Holy Spirit's anointing and talking. And so they come. And I'm like, I call over the band uh, director. That's what I'm going to call him. He's the doctor over there, uh, over that group. And I said, I submit myself to you. I feel like I have a word from the Lord for your team. All right. This is so fun. At some point, I'm going to get back to the message. So he, I said, I'm submitting myself to you. I don't ever want to say anything to these young minds and leaders without your, and he's like, absolutely. So I begin to prophesy. While I'm beginning to prophesy, I'm prophesying over the group as a whole, but then the Lord leads a couple of uh, prophetic moments. Now, I prophesied there different than I might prophesy somewhere else, but I'm prophesying under the house rules of a Baptist group of folks. And so I'm not going uh, full old school Pentecostal charismatic faith, you know, like on them. And 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 I'm like, you know, I keep looking back at the band director. And I'm like, is this okay? Is this okay? Because <laughs> I'm just seeing how far you let me walk over this way. And he's like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It's a beautiful time. After it was all over, uh, I don't know how we got here in the conversation, but I said, when I was at Lee, all right. Um, this is what blah, blah, blah. And he said, what years were you at Lee? And I said, I was there from like 87 to 90. And he said, I was at Lee at this time leading with these leaders. And I like, so he's like 12 years older than me. And I'm like, that is so cool. So you were at Lee at the same time I was at Lee. And he's like, yeah, we were probably in the same room at different things and just didn't know it. And so then he said, before that, I was uh, with Kenneth Copeland. And I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> okay. That, so, so you see what I'm saying? Baptist Lee, Kenneth Copeland. And then he says something like, you know, when I was out at Ramah. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so... We aren't as far away as I thought we were. And what the whole time I thought, man, I'm, I'm, I'm way out in no man's land spiritually. And I'm wondering if it's okay. And that guy's probably going, yeah, just go, just go, just go. Here's the beautiful thing. All of that was about witness. It was about witnessing. It was about outward appearance. It was about, you know, sharing my story and being bold enough but witness matters. And so, you know, you, you, how you go out into the public and how you present yourself. You may not be able to present yourself the same way you would within the walls of the church. You can still present the message. You can still prophesy. You can still lay hands on. I'm telling you what, you can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover while you're eating at Arby's. It looks different than it does here. It might be simply just reaching across the table, touching the person on the arm and praying with your eyes open and declaring the healing of heaven to invade that body. You know, but still, 
it can be happening. And so uh, a lot of people, getting back to the message now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, you can't judge my outward appearance. God doesn't look at that. Only people look at that. But I want you to understand holistically, that's not the case. The outside does matter. Our actions matter. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. There's something about being active in the way that we live. And I'll give you three examples of it. Number one, there's baptism. Baptism, why do we baptize? Does, does uh, getting in a tank of water do anything for us spiritually? Not a thing. Not a thing. Not just getting in the water. It's, a, it's that act that um, is paired with the act of repentance, repents, repent and be baptized, when you put those two together, it's an outward expression of an inward thing that happens in you. I can't see into the heart of any person in this room. I can't see into your heart. I don't know where you stand with Christ. All I know is what I can see on the outside, the actions, what you do, what I hear you say, how I see you live. Baptism is one way that scripture says that our outside matters. Galatians 3.27 says that all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Not put in Christ, put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. Like Paul is likening our relationship to God through Christ to putting on new garments. It's like it's a new set of clothes that we put on. So it's what people see. When we wear Christ, people see Christ in us. We're a reflection of who he is. So baptism is important. It's no different than I could put, uh, you know, I don't wear a wedding ring for health reasons because my skin breaks out uh, with those metals. But I'm married to that woman, all right? But I, likewise, I could be a single guy and put on a wedding ring and not, it doesn't mean anything if I haven't made the covenant. Baptism means nothing if we haven't made the covenant. So baptism is an outward expression so that we can tell people, look, I know you can't see what's in my heart. I know you can't see that I have been crucified, buried, and now risen with Christ. But what I'm fixing to do is I'm fixing to go through this expression. I could be married uh, to Shay and listen, I could be married to Shay and just go down to the courthouse. I could be married to Shay and us never, you know, what if we just lived on an island somewhere and, you know, we, there, no, there was no humans except us around and it's like, I want to be married to you. So we're just married in the sight of God. Who ordained that? We did and God did. We ordained it in the sight of God. God ordained it because we're committing to each other. It's all about that inward commitment. But nobody would know that. Unless we make that a public statement, unless we make that, and that's why we go through ceremonies like weddings. The second thing is this. Jesus said that we're the light of the world. He says this. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You, us, we're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop top that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. He's talking about, guys, when, when people look at us, we're people of light. 
So this is what he's saying. Your witness matters. He says, they put it on a stand where it gives light for everyone in the house to see or see by. It's like, uh, you know, the, the scripture, the second part of that says this. In the same way, let your good deeds, like your actions, shine for all to see. So when people see you doing good, when they see you doing things, when they see the fruit, when they see your outside, they'll give glory to God. Our witness matters. Here's the third one. It's when Paul confronts Peter. If you don't know this story, we're going to look at it right here in Galatians uh, chapter 2. So turn in your Bibles there, if you will. All right, Galatians chapter 2, verses 11, uh, 12, and 13. Okay, you there? So right before we get there, what happens is um, Paul and Peter, they're apostles. All right, let me just break it down a little bit to you. Paul did not walk with Jesus like Peter did. He was called after, all right? He was called forth in a different manner. Peter was with Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. Peter disappointed Jesus. Peter excited Jesus. Peter inspired Jesus. Jesus inspired Peter. So, you know, they had a whole different relationship. But over here you got Paul. All right, so now we're, we're looking in time where uh, Jesus has already ascended and now the disciples are building the church and different leaders have gotten into leadership. G uh, James, one of the apostles, is now the leader of the church in Jerusalem. All right? So James is the big guy. Out of all the apostles, he's the big guy. He's the leader of the first century church in Jerusalem. All right? So all these guys know them in different ways. Peter knows him directly, like they're buds. All right? They did life together. They did, they did ministry together. Paul, on the other hand, only knows James, the disciple, the apostle, through uh, coincidence, not coincidence, through uh, acquaintance. So I know you, but I don't really know you. I respect you and I honor you. So you got these two guys. They're all out all over the, the, uh, the new world, so to speak, at that time. They're all out doing ministry in different parts. And so here we end up in Galatia and so, uh, or Antioch. Um, and in verse 11, these guys end up at the same restaurant, okay? But when Peter, verse 11, came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from the people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. I want you to pay attention right here, guys. So imagine there are two apostles. 
they end up in the, doing ministry in the same city. They converge at the marketplace or the, you know, the mall and uh, they're eating and Paul is eating with some of his friends and Peter's over there eating with some of his friends. They've seen each other around town. You know, I heard that you're doing one over there and y'all, you, you're, you guys are ministering there and yeah, we're in town for a few days. Yeah, you know, God's really blessing. We extended ours for a few days, blah, blah, blah. You, you get where I'm going with this. And so, you know, and so Paul is, is noticing Peter's, uh, Peter's interaction. All right, you understand that we're in a new covenant. They're preaching a new covenant. Like you do not have to be circumcised. Let's liken this to like, uh, you know, 19th and 20 and 21st century uh, issues. Because like circumcision is not a problem for us in the church today. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, in the days that some of y'all were growing up and even me uh, and shape to a degree, uh, wearing makeup, women wearing makeup and ear bobs and cutting your hair and women can't wear dresses. I mean, when Shay and I went to college, the girls on our campus could not wear dress, uh, could not wear pants. They only could wear dresses. I mean, you know, so there's a lot, lots of legalism that was there. And this is what Paul and Peter are preaching now. We're no longer bound by those legalistic standards. We're free from that. All right, we're preaching that message. However, here come some Judaizers. These are the ones that we're holding on to the old covenant. We were talking about this a little bit this morning about some uh, folks that, w- that we know. Like, they're Christians, but they're holding on to lots of old covenant uh, standards and, and restrictions and legalism. They've brought that into the Christian faith. And so that's what these Judaizers were doing, and they were bringing that in there. And, you know, and, and Peter, I'm sure he likes those boys. Maybe he went to seminary with them. Maybe he studied under, you know, the different folks back then. And he's like, man, I like these old guys. We used to play on the same football team, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And it's like, so while I'm, I'm going to go over there and, and be with these people, while I'm with them, he's shunning the other. And he's like, man, if they want to go over and talk to him, he's like, yeah, I don't really know those guys, you know. So he's being two-faced in this. This is what the image, his witness, this is what he's doing. And he's like, man, we're here to present the gospel of the new covenant. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we're free from all of that legalism. We're, we're not bound by that anymore. We don't have to live under that heavy weight anymore. We have freedom in Christ now. And you're over here going back to that. It's a confusing message, Paul uh, or Peter, that you're sending to him. And, you know, I'm not saying that, that Paul was right. But Paul gets up and he's like, I, I, I didn't had all I could see. And I don't know if this is actually how it happened. This is how all the in-between spaces between the lines is how I read it. You know, I, I just imagine Paul going, man, I've just kind of seen all I can see. And I'm tired of looking at this. And, you know, you're a leader. Like, you, 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 you should not be acting this way. You're being confusing to the younger believers. You're sending, uh, you know, talking out of both sides of your mouth. It's like you're, you're ruining your witness. And he goes over and he confronts him to his face. Now, we don't know if he confronted them in, in front of other people. But... From Paul's other actions elsewhere in Scripture, 
I can guarantee you he probably did. He probably didn't use the best wisdom at the moment. He confronts him and he says, you know what you're doing is not right. You know what you're doing is wrong. You're being a poor witness. So much so, all right? And this is the important part right here. He says, 13, as a result of what? His double-mindedness, his double message, his, how Paul puts it, his hypocrisy. As a result of his hypocrisy, the other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. They followed Peter's hypocrisy. The other Jewish believers were following your witness. And then he says, following Peter's witness, so much so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now I want you to listen real quick. Peter is being divisive. Did he mean to be divisive? No. It doesn't mean that he meant to be divisive. However, he was. So much so that Paul and Barnabas, who are partners in ministry, so much so that they part ways later in ministry. I wonder, I wonder, was this the seed that Peter, who is the first Catholic church, will tell you, Pope of the Roman Catholic church. I wonder, come on, man. I wonder, did Peter, the leader of the church, later... Did he realize the division that he's causing in the body of Christ? Not only with those other believers, but you also are affecting other young leaders. That Paul is his apostle. Paul is his leader. He's underneath the ministry of them. And all of the sudden, he's listening and seeing the witness that is there. He begins to question his leader. It's okay to question your leader, guys. But you have to go, okay, I'm questioning under the umbrella of the scripture. And Paul, time and time and time and time again, says, hey, don't just take our word for it. We heard this from the Lord Jesus Christ himself with our own ears. You know, later... In scripture, I believe it's in Acts, maybe chapter 16. Paul and uh, Barnabas are going on missionary journeys. And I forget where they were about to go. Um, but they're, they're about to embark on a missionary journey. And Barnabas is like, uh, you know, I, I want Mark to go with us. And this is what Paul says. He's like... Um, I don't want Mark to go with us on this journey. All right. And he's like, well, I do. I think he will help us out. And this is what Paul is saying. Listen, man. He left us 
on the last journey that we were on. He deserted us. He's not dependable. <laughs> what? Let me flip back over here because I think he wrote a book in here somewhere. Mark, you kidding me? This guy right here was, was not dependable? That's good news right there. You can be undependable. Come on, somebody. You can be undependable. You could let somebody down and still write a book of the Bible. Come on, Jesus. His mercies are new every day. Just because you blew it don't mean that you've blown it forever. So here's John Mark who Paul is saying, listen, he's not going to go on this trip, man. I'm leading this trip. I'm footing the bill for this trip. He's not going to go on this trip. And Barnabas is like, well, if he ain't going, I ain't going. Well, I guess I'll take Silas then. This is so good. It's so important. So Paul and Silas go off and do ministry. And then Barnabas and John Mark go off. And they do ministry at Cyprus. All right. Mm, I don't know how deep I need to go in this. But we read a lot about what happened. Well, he wrote that about himself. No, he didn't. Luke wrote it. Luke wrote about Paul's and Silas. Paul and Silas were in jail at the midnight hour. The spirit moved. Shay's the only one that knows that song. We used to sing that in our church. You know, you don't read anything in the Gospels about uh, Barnabas and John Mark's journey. Now, there's something written. Uh, I don't know if it's it's a apocryphal type book it's outside of of our bible and anytime you go to or that i've searched it says legend says that this is what happened well nobody knows there's no eyewitnesses there's no there's no first witness account here's what i'm trying to say man your witness matters mark his witness of being undependable it cost him to be on that trip when he could have been on that trip, probably was supposed to be on that trip. You read later that uh, on Cyprus, which is where Barnabas went, they also uh, killed him on Cyprus too. He was martyred there for sharing the gospel. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Man, our witness matters. Here, Mark's witness in it affected Paul's judgment of him, and he lost opportunity. Okay? Later, when they're right here in Antioch, Peter's uh, actions affect, you know, the other believers. So there's division that's happening. Are you following me with this at all? Like, this, all of this is done... And, and we have evidence in the scripture that it's through outward expressions of like our language and our influence. Listen, we don't need to be influencers of division. We need to be influencers 
towards the, the gospel and the message and all of this. But I look at that and I've, I've seen that happen in my ministry. I've seen it happen in others' ministry. Is that people, they don't think about their witness. They don't think about how powerful your witness is in the body of Christ. And the enemy will use your witness as much as the Holy Spirit uh, will, wants to use your witness. The enemy will use your witness to cause division, to keep the cause of Christ from going forth, or brothers living to, to dwelling together in unity. And we know Psalm 133 says that's where the blessing comes is when, we get, when we're in unity. It doesn't mean you can't go off to somewhere and minister and preach and go somewhere else and minister and preach and go do your thing here and go do your thing there and go do your thing there. I'm telling you, we're stronger, we're better when we're together. We're better when we're operating in unity and not this group against that group and that group against this group. And so... Here's what I want you just to leave this point with you. My actions will either pull others towards the gospel or push them away. People will look at you and your actions are going to pull them towards the gospel or it's going to push them away from the gospel. I want to give you six actions that will influence others towards the gospel. Number one, go to church. Like people just watching you. Just watch. They will watch you. Like, oh, you're a churchgoer now. They may not even be positive about it. But you've put a label on yourself. Like, I go to church. All right? That's a good thing. Now, how you live that out later, as you'll see, will be affected by the others. But let people know that you go to church. Talk about your church. Here's... I shared this with you a few weeks ago. Most Christians do not talk about their church. And that's sad to me. Most Christians do not invite people to their church. 30% of Christians invite people to their church. And that's sad to me. Go to church. Look at the second thing. Serve others. Serve other people. When people see you serving other people, I'm telling you, they are going to want to be like you. This is what James 1 and 27 says. It says, hey, this is what real religion is. Oh, I know that conference that you got back to was off the chain. I know that concert that you just went to was off the charts. Oh, I know that that sermon that Stephen Furtick or whoever, whatever, whatever preached, I know it was amazing. But you will never be more like Jesus than when you're serving others. You've heard me say it so many times in this house that Jesus came to serve and not be served. Man, the scripture says that pure religion is this. It's not all of that. It's not the concerts. It's not the conference. It's not the sermons. It's this. That we would take care of the orphans and widows. In other words, the underprivileged. That's what real religion is. It's serving. That's, you want to be spiritual? Serve. Serve. But you can't just serve without the covering of Christ. That's why go to church and serve. I mean, we have organizations all over the world. UNICEF and the Peace Corps and all of these things. Well, they're doing that without the covering of Christ. 
serve with the covering of Christ. Let people know that you go to church. They need to go know where you go to church. If you tell somebody that you go to church here, you better know my name. Because I've asked people. I've asked people cutting my hair. They're like, yeah, at my church and blah, blah, blah. And they're just talking. And I'm like, really, what church do you go to? I go to uh, X church. And I said, who's the pastor there? Um, um, I don't even go there. And I know the pastor's name. You know what? That, that tells me you are not. I'm not saying you don't go there. But you certainly are not a part of that house. If you can't even tell me what the pastor's name is, the lead guy's name is, look at this. Bear visible spiritual fruit. Bear visible spiritual fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Bear that stuff. Like, listen, if you are the person that flies off the handle, you're not a good bearer of Christ's image. You need to work on that. If you walk around and you, I, I said this last week, there should be no, no such thing as a melancholy Christian. I mean, we can get down and, you know, we can be downcast, but we can't live there. Like, I know believers who how are you? I'm making it. Man, how's it going? Man, I'm just, I'm here. How's your wife? Mean as ever. You know? How's the, I'm, I'm like, that, that's not light, man. As a matter of fact, it's like, oh, I need to back out of this conversation as quickly as I can. I need to go get around some folks that bring some joy. Are you, are you following me? Bear visible. Be nice to people. Like, just be nice. Be nice if they're nice to you. Of course, we all know if they're not nice to you, you can be a jerk. No. If they are a jerk, you be nice. Change the atmosphere. Bear visible signs. I'm telling you, when you become that guy, people want to know. Like, hey man, I notice you never cuss. And you're chief mechanic at, you know, Car Cussers USA, you know. I mean, I don't know if you've ever worked in environments like that, but I'm like, God, these people, I just, ugh. And that stuff does. It'll rub off on you, and before you know it, you cussing. And it don't take a whole lot to get me to cuss because I grew up in a family of chronic cussers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I've overcome that. But you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, just by changing your language, just by changing something, people will be attracted. It'll spark an interest. It'll open a door for a conversation. All right? Number four, pray with people on the spot. Like, these are ways that you can use your outward appearance. Like, man, I'm going to be praying for you. No, you won't. You, you will forget. I'm a pretty spiritual guy, and I forget. So if I don't pray for you, and I tell you, man, I'm going to be praying for you, I probably won't. Because I'm busy. 
and life happens and I forget. So this is what I typically do. I'm like, can we pray about that right now? What? We're in the middle of Psalms. Yeah, I won't make it weird or I'll try not to. If I can't pray for you, I'll immediately walk away and I'll send myself a text message. Pray for Brandon today about. But when you pray with people on the spot, it's a huge witness to people. It lets them know, like, hey, if if I just say this, man, I'm going to be praying for you. That doesn't do a whole lot of good witness-wise. There's about this much value in that. But when you say, can I pray with you right now? I've only had one person in 30 years tell me no. Somebody might tell you no, but only one person in 30 years to tell me no. Pray with people on the spot. Number five, guard your, Im- uh, guard your image on social media. Guard your image on social media. I can't say I've always been successful with this, um, but you know, you, you get better and whatnot. Uh, watch what you post. Watch what you like. Watch what you like. There have been people that have stopped coming to this church, and to my knowledge, they never went to another church, and they died. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad. I'm saying this to let you know how people are watching you down to this. You know what this is? That's the like button. Somebody stopped coming to our church. This is probably 12, 15 years ago. It's a long time ago. And um, to my knowledge, they never went to church anywhere else before they died. I don't think they were bitter. I don't think all this stuff. But someone in our church liked the post of another person. And the post was, I, I read it. I knew, I, I knew everybody involved. I knew the person that stopped coming to church. I knew the person that posted, and I knew the person that liked it. And the person that wrote the post was writing about somebody in their family. All right? And then another person in the church liked it. When it hurt the person in the church, the person that posted didn't even come to our church. But the other person liked it. So you see where offense gets, just like, just like those group begin to follow Peter, all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's offense. All of a sudden there's hurt. And we lose, we lose the ability to influence. We lost the ability to influence on, on that one. And guys, it was just because of this, just this. So I'm like, you know what? I try to be careful what I like. I do not like dramas. If you out there putting your trash on, uh, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't love it. I don't even go, I care. Because this is something you shouldn't have out there anyway. Well, preacher, who are you to tell me? I'm here to tell you because you're a Christian and we're better than that. People out in the world, we ain't those people. We're not those people. We have a higher calling. Guard your image. Number six, this is the last one. Dress for the occasion. 
Oh, what does that mean? Dress for the occasion. Like, be modest in your dress. Like, I'm just telling you. Just be modest. I'm not, I I don't mean to sound like an old-fashioned prude. I love it when my wife looks good. I like certain clothes on her. You know, yada, yada, yada. But be modest in your appearance. And I mean, that means everything. I mean, it, it goes for men. It goes for women. It goes for everything. Just be modest. Like, I'm, what is it? Does it sound like you can get down a, a trail on this that it becomes, uh, well, are you being too legalistic, Pastor Rife? Listen, I'm just telling you, people judge us based on our appearance. And so I've told people that they want to go into business and they're, and I'm like, you don't look like a business person to me. Like you don't. Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to take it up a couple of notches. If you want others, like if you want business people to respect you, you you have to dress like a business person. Don't dress like you just came from the gym and you're going into a place of business and want to try to talk business with folks. You can't do that. Just like I when we had foster children. Shay, I told her, I'm like, we, we've been on the mission field and all this. I'm like, we're going to our foster uh, kids' parents' house. We want to identify with them. All right? So Shay's not coming in in stiletto heels and looking like she, you know, she's going to uh, you know, a, a gala at some swanky hotel. No, just dress like everyday normal people. Put some blue jeans on, tone everything down. Because we want to identify with the people that we are about to go minister to. You know what I'm saying? We don't want that immediately to put a chasm. And I'll tell you, I know that we had a validation of it because the, uh, the lady who was there from, uh, from HHR, DHR, whatever it's called, uh, she drives up. Now, I'm not diminishing the people. I'm just telling you how they lived. They lived in a mobile home that had no AC, uh, I think it had electricity, but it had no AC. Uh, the door, they literally didn't even have a door on the front of their house. There wasn't a door there, okay? I don't even know how you live like that. What do you do? There wasn't a door there. I think they had it and at night they just kind of put it back up there. So we're talking about very, very, very austere surroundings. And so we know what it's like going into areas and ministering like that. But, but Miss Hotty Toddy, uh, DHR lady, she pulls in in her Mercedes or Lexus. I can't remember, but it was one of those two. Shay has a better memory and stuff like that. She pulls in. She gets out. You know, her, her, her skirt is tied and, you know, it's one of those like this. And, and she's got stilettos on. And she's, you know, and I'm serious. And she's trying to walk up the rickety steps of the mobile home. And, you know, and she walks in and everything smells like it's just coated in cigarette smoke. And it's, it's, it's you know, not the most pleasant environment. Shay and I go in, and it's like, man, we pull it up, pull up a seat like we're at Mama's house. And she comes in, and she's like, you know, where do I? 
Ah, the amount of uncomfortableness in the room. And when she leaves, the man unleashes his true feelings about her to us. Outward appearance. People, man, they judge you on your outward appearance. Know when to take it up and know when to take it down. But dress for the occasion because people do judge you. And this is the last thing right here before I just give you some ways to apply it. I want you to think about this. My actions, like make it personal, your actions. Your actions, what people see you do will either pull others towards the gospel or push others away from them. Be the kind of person that you want to pull people towards the gospel. Just hoping that there will be an opportunity for you to minister to them somewhere down the line. So Pastor Rife, how can I I, um, apply this? Before we go there, St. Francis of Assisi, we think this is a quote from him. He said, preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words. Like, the first sermon that you're going to preach is the one people see. Then they'll hear a second one from your words, but they're going to look at you first. So sharing the gospel, testifying, is all going to come from what people see first. Look at this. This is how you can activate this right now. I want you to identify an area which you've been visibly a weak witness and take one step towards being a brighter light this week. All right? Identify an area that you've been visibly weak. I don't know what that is for you. Identify an area that you have been visibly weak. In other words, to put it bunt bluntly, you've been a poor witness in that area. And then just take one step. You figure out what it is. There's more steps probably, but you figure out what one step is. And it could be anything from social media to a conversation you had with somebody. I recently had a conversation uh, with uh, another leader and I said to them, I said, so this is what you need to do. Go apologize. Just go apologize. Just make it right. Because even though in the grand scheme of things, you were right, you lost your cool. You were a poor witness. You were right. Sometimes, how many of you know, you can be right But the way we respond messes up the rightness. And so, you know, we lose the influence there. And that's really what this all is all about. You were right, but you lost your influence with that person. So do this. Go apologize. Make it right. The relationship is more important than who was right or wrong. Go, and I promise you, If you just go apologize sometimes, it'll totally change uh, the direction and trajectory of things. And this is the last thing. If you feel like you've blown it in your ability to witness, 
receive the restoring power of Jesus. Pastor Rife, I don't know that I can be a good witness because I have, I have messed up so many times. Listen to me. I'm talking to you. Not the person beside you. I'm talking to you. How many of us have, have thought, I've failed so many times. I've lost my effectiveness. I've ruined my influence because of how many times. How many times have they seen me pray the sinner's prayer? How many times have I left church and come back to church? How many times have I done these things? How many times have I failed? Listen, you're missing out on one of the best things that's afforded us. The scriptures say his mercies are new every morning. Why do you think they're new every day? Because we need it. When we fail, we just get back up. We apply his mercy to our life or receive his mercy for our life. And we go on. And some of y'all, you may be at the place where it's like, no, but you don't understand. I'm telling you, you don't understand. You don't understand what I did. You don't know, understand how bad it was. You don't understand those people at work. I blew my opportunity with them. I was on top of the. Uh, I was the one on top of the uh, the the uh, table dancing, you know, and blah blah blah. Listen, I, I'm being facetious, but maybe not for some of y'all. Listen, I'm telling you, man. Don't write off your influence. Some of the best influence that you'll ever have is because you went back and you made it right. That's some of the most powerful. And listen, prove them wrong. Oh, he ain't ever going to stick. It ain't going to stick. You know, it's not going to be. I've seen this a thousand times. It's not going. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Do not let the enemy rob you of the influence that you have. Okay? Pastor Rife. I don't know that I agree with you on some of the stuff that you said today. That's okay too. I've not agreed with some of the things I've heard people say. This is what I'd ask you to say, uh, to do. John tells us, ask Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth, not Rife's version of it, not your version of it. Just go ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will guide you in truth. You don't have to have your act all together to be an influence.